0: The the title of this morning's sermon is No Word, No Way. We're in 2 Kings uh, chapter 22, and we're going to read from verses 8 to 13. I'll be reading out of the CSB this morning. 2 Kings chapter 22, starting in verse 8, reads this way. The high priest Hilkiah told the court, uh, the court sec- uh, secretary Shofan, I found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. He gave the book to Shofan, who read it. Then the court secretary Shofan went to the king and reported Your servants have emptied out the silver that was found in the temple and have given it to those doing the work those who oversee the Lord's temple. Then the court secretary Shofan told the king, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. And Shofan read it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And then he commanded the priest Hilkiah, Achakim, son of Azahim, Uh, son of Micahiah and court secretary Shofan and the king's servant Azaiah, go and inquire of the Lord for me for the people and for all of Judah about the words in this book that have been found for great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the word of this book in order to do everything written about us. Father, let that not be said of us, that we would always highly honor your word. We stand for the reading of your word because it is truth, and we recognize that it is the truth that sets us free, Lord. It is our daily bread, and we need to be nourished. It is our living water, and we need to be refreshed. So we come to you with these needs this day and asking you to do what only you can do and give us this bread of life. As we sit and consider your word, Lord, do a work in our hearts continue to change us and move us from glory to glory. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All of us can think of a time where we've lost something of great value. There's even been stories about uh, garage sales and people selling a painting, and behind that painting will be like original document of uh, our constitution that's worth all kind of money, and obviously the person is sick behind selling something like that. Uh, Sometimes we have given things away and not recognized its value. This is an astonishing statement in the Bible where one would come and say, I found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. just, Just ponder that for a moment. What was happening in the temple that the book of the law would be misplaced, that the book of the law would be lost, that the book of the law would not be used. The text tells us that it was Josiah who was the king at that time, and he became king when he was eight years old, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. But for us to get to the place where how could something like that happen? We have to go back uh, a couple of generations. His, his grandfather was the longest reigning king in Judah, and he reigned for 55 years, and his name was Manasseh. And the Bible tells us that Manasseh did evil in the sight of the Lord and imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had disposed of before the Israelites. So he followed suit with what those around him were doing. It said that he rebid rebuilt the high places that his father, Hezekiah, who was a good king, had torn down and destroyed. And and Manasseh went and reestablished Baal worship and other forms of worship and set it up in the temple courts and in the temple itself. Imagine that. It says that he sacrificed his son in the fire and practice all kind of witchcraft and divination. It said that Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem with it from one, one part of the city to another, from one end to the other end. What happens when evil is taking place? around you what happens when evil is taking place all around us you know what happens it becomes the norm it becomes what we see every day and you're no longer shocked by it we 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 see things that take place that should be shocking to us when we read this account we're shocked but it's no different than where we live today You know why? Because it's it's a progression that takes place over a period of time and it barely gets noticed. And, And when we hear these things, what we think of is, hey, this is life. This is what we're dealing with. So when we hear of abortion, that's no different than them sending their child through the fire and they did that for fertility purposes and for prosperity. Often people uh, use abortion as birth control for expedience. I, I, I can't deal with that right now and this nation is guilty of blood in the streets In the same way that they were. It's funny how we look at something like that and we're like oh my how could that be? And we're in the midst of the very same thing. We hear of child trafficking and and to think of modern day slavery and that children would be used that way. We see gender confusion all around us and homosexuality and the breaking down of the family and single parents' homes, and we just treat it like this is no big deal. This is evil. There's blindness and and there's sadness, and we should all view these things and be shocked. How did this happen back then, and how is that happening today? I found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. There it lay, probably covered with dust, like the unused Bible in many homes. It's not that you don't have a Bible in your home. The question is, are you opening it up? It's a silent reproof of those who should have known what the right thing to do was and didn't do it. What a shocking statement. When the book of the law was read to the king, When he heard these words for the first time, he rent his clothes in sorrow and in shame, recognizing that the law of God has been broken and neglected. Because of this, God had already declared to them from his Grandfather, I will wipe Jerusalem clean as one wipes a bowl, wiping it and turning it upside down. I will abandon the remnant of my inheritance and hand them over to their enemies. They will become plunder and spoil to all their enemies enemies because they have done what is evil in my sight and have angered me from the day of their ancestors from they came out of egypt until this day all along god in his mercy then and now is calling on people to repent It says, as all of that was going on, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they didn't listen. So you know what he did? He brought the army of Assyria, and they came, and they took Manasseh, and they put him in shackles, and they put an earring in his nose, and led him out on a chain, and brought him to Babylon. And when he was there, He humbled himself and he repented. How is it that we we get to the place where we have to be brought to our knees to recognize what I've done is wrong. You don't have to wait. All you got to do is look around you. That was happening to Judah. Israel had already been taken into captivity. Manasseh comes to this place where he repents. And when he repented, as God does, God relented. He he restored him back to his position. But a lot of the damage had already been done. And he tried to clean stuff up. But what you can't clean up is what's in the hearts of people after you lay all of this mess out there. And he dies, and his son becomes king. And his son went back, and all the things that he had took out of the temple and tried to clean up, restored it, and and, and made it even worse. In only a two-year period, because he was only the king for two years, people in his own party came and iced him up, killed him sorry. (laughs) So now his son becomes king. He's Josiah. He's eight years old. And when he was 16, the spirit of the Lord starts moving on this young man. And he starts cleaning house. And by the time he's 26, he starts cleaning up the temple and repairing it before the years of neglect and misuse. And in that time, we get to where we are, where it says the book of the law was found in the temple. It is amazing that activity in the temple was still going on. Catch that. They were still having church. We can't even call it church because they weren't worshiping the one true God. But they were having some sort of religious activity there. How were people living without the word of God? How did the book of the law get lost? The same way that it gets lost in some of our homes. This is how. That everything else that we worship crowds it out. All of this other stuff is more important. Whether it's your phone, whether it's the TV, your activity, your bad habits, your strongholds, it crowds it out. And the word of the Lord gets lost. How out of hand did things get? Because this book was lost. I mean, we have no word of the Lord in the world other than in these pockets. Look at the condition of the world. Look at the condition of our country. Look at the condition of our city. Look at the condition of our neighborhoods. Look at what's going on in the schools. Look at the agendas that are pushed. Look at what's happening in your households, look what's happening in your personal life. But far before that happened, it started happening in the church. What are the churches preaching? So many of the churches are preaching Christianity light. Oh, I I, I can't tolerate a hard message. Well, that's what the Bible said is going to happen in the end time. God loves you, and that's it, no matter what you're doing. Hyper grace. That's not what the biblical text tells us. Any church that keeps you in a constant state of comfort is not presenting the whole counsel of God. There are days we should be leaving here celebrating. There's other days we should leave here mourning, We have to have both. There are days where we need to be reminded of the goodness of God and there are other days where we need to be reminded of the wrath of God. They're both true. We live in a a world that is contrary to the gospel and it brings about all kinds of pressure. Imagine what this young man faced. His father got assassinated. So he has all of these pressures on him, just like we do, because everything around us is contrary to the gospel. And we see what the results are. How do we live countercultural? to what's going on in the world. It's only going to be by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, period. So often we're silent when we should speak up. And then when we open our mouths, do we know the truth? You can't tell anybody the truth unless you know it. Either you believe that the Bible is the source of truth, the standard of truth, or it's not. And if it's not, you're wasting your time reading it and you're wasting your time coming to church. You're wasting your time coming to this church. That's what we're going to talk about. But what happens when when we turn from the culture? What is produced? Imagine... If we had no Bible, we didn't have the word of God. It was lost. Like, how long do you think you would remain godly? How much scripture do you have in you if if, if all the Bibles was gone? How long would it take for you to believe, no, I'm still worshiping God in spirit and in truth without his word? When the book of the law was found, a couple of things happened to Josiah. Number one, grief. He rent his clothes. He tore his clothes. Look what is going on. And then he inquired. He sent them, go and inquire what we should do not only for me, but for the people, for all of Judah. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the word of this book in order to do everything that is written in it. Then he came to a place of humbling himself. God will always resist the proud. But when we humble ourselves, the scripture says that this is what the Lord says. I'm about to bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants, fulfilling all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have abandoned me and burned incense to other gods in order to anger me with all the works of their hands, my wrath will be kindled against them in this place and it will not be quenched. To say this to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord of God of Israel says as the word that you heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against the place and its inhabitants. It's not enough to just hear it. He humbled himself as he heard these words against all its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard this is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, I will indeed gather you to your ancestors, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the, the disaster that I will bring on this place. We better live countercultural. Because although everything is going in the direction that is anti God, God keeps a remnant, He has a remnant. You will not suffer what other people suffer, especially when we leave this world. After he humbled himself, he had a proclamation. He spoke to the people. It wasn't good enough for him to say, whew, this is not going to happen to me. No. No he went and gathered all the people and read to them in the hearing of all the words of this book and he made a covenant. It says that in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord, to keep his commandments and his decrees and statutes with all his heart and with all his soul in order to, to carry out the words of the covenant, which means action. There has to be a cleansing while the heart is turning. We can't keep this stuff the way that it was before. So these practices that were there, there had to be a cleansing. And he started in the temple. It got so bad that they had cult prostitutes in the temple. It's no different than the way sex is celebrated today. You know how it got to this place? How we get so far from the Lord and engage in such debauchery? One compromise at a time. That's one compromise at a time. It started with Solomon being half-hearted and marrying foreign women and building altars to their gods there in the land. And then it went from his son Jeroboam and down the line there were very few kings in the midst of all of these evil kings. And then it came to his own grandfather Manasseh and his own father Amon. We must not only turn to the Lord, but we got a clean house. You you, you ain't going to keep both of these things going at the same time. You're not going to live foul on Monday and then come to church on Sunday and thinking that you're lifting up holy, sanctified hands to the Lord. It doesn't work that way. Hey, whatever you did, you did. And God welcomes you to come into his house and hear his word. But hearing it is not enough. You have to pray, God, change my heart. Uh, Humble me, Lord. Guide me in your loving care. Keep me and change me, Father, from the inside out. Because all the stuff that we're doing... It's only an outward expression of what's going on inside here. And only God can do that work. But we're participants in that work. And then what happened after the hearing of God's word? After him inquiring what then shall we do after the telling others we're going to follow the Lord after the cleaning up of the house there was a celebration there was a celebration throughout Judah he even went into Israel and cleaned It says the king commanded all the people observe the Passover of the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. No such Passover had ever been observed from the time of the judges who judged Israel through the entire time of the kings of Israel and Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, the Lord's Passover was observed in Jerusalem. They turned and they celebrated. And the celebration was good. And that's why we take communion. Communion is really close to what Passover was. The Lord's Supper... When he took the cup and gave thanks and he instructed his disciples to divide it among them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave them pieces. And when the hour had come, it said it sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them with a fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and and he gave thanks. We have to understand this. We must remember that the Lord's Supper, or what is referred to as communion, it was a Passover meal. When we fail to remember this key component of our heritage, we miss out on the blessings and the true spiritual freedom. There is freedom in this. There is a, a tradition in Jewish homes when they have Passover that the youngest child would say, why is this night different from any other night? And then the father would give a response. He he would tell them the Passover story from the book of Exodus and how the angel of death had passed over those that had the lamb's blood on their doorposts. And that just gave them their freedom from Egypt. So we could ask the same question of communion today. What makes this meal different from any other? We should be able to tell the next generation of God's deliverance and the freedom fulfilled on that tree in Calvary. That's what makes it different. I'm going to ask Brother Thomas and Deacon Bob to come and the ushers to prepare for us to engage in communion together. When we take communion, it's not typically a a meal, but we call it a meal or supper. It's because it's rooted in the observance of this Passover feast. And when Jesus sat down with his disciples and they prepared beforehand and they went into this large furnished upper room, Jesus sat down with those that were closest to him. And then he invited them to the table. All of this took place so that the closest to him would know what was about to happen. The real fulfillment of the Passover. They didn't fully understand at the time. But later, the scales would fall from their eyes and they would recognize who Jesus really was. Jesus was very intentional about the way that he distributed and conducted the Last Supper. He wanted to ensure that his closest friends would understand the deeper meaning. This is not just another male. Matter of fact, it's different from every other Passover the disciples had celebrated before. It was intended to give a deep revelation of God's plan for Jesus. For them as disciples and for the world, it was a shadow of the reconciliation that was to come, what a beautiful thing it is to celebrate Passover. What a beautiful thing it is to celebrate communion and the lord 's death, which gives us freedom. So the worship team is going to play a song as uh, the ushers come to uh, to uh, get ready to Give out the elements, and what I would ask you to do is wait. They will call you up row by row, and you come and take uh, the elements and go back to your seat, and I'll come back, and we'll take it together. But in the same way that that Passover meal was for Jesus' closest friends, Passover of the communion is for those that are God's children. Communion is for even God's child that is struggling. So we take this time before we engage in it that you would make things right, that you would pray to the Lord, that you would approach him with a pure heart and with clean hands. It's nothing you can do on your own what we do is we ask God for his forgiveness, to continue to strengthen us in our weakness. But if you have not confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not for you to participate in this time. Maybe by the next time we have communion, you will be a child of God because you've repented, and come to him and ask him to dwell with you, to come into your hearts, and you accept the free gift of grace that he offers for the work that he's done in Calvary. So I'm going to sit for a minute while the elements are distributed, and then I'll come back up, and we will participate in this meal together, amen?